the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Brown. So glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. It's been so beautiful lately, but today, look, like I'm looking out the window right now, it feels... Like cold and I know it's like fall weather. Did we lose summer? Like I'm wearing like a fall outfit today. What happened to summer? This can't we we had such beautiful days. This what? is I'm gonna pretend like this isn't happening. Yeah, you are you are facing away. away from the yeah. window right now. Would any man ever use the following phrase? <laughs> I'm wearing a blank outfit. <laughs> yeah, I think there's can some... men use the word yeah. outfit. Fit? Definitely. Outfit. No, they, you used the word outfit. You said a fall outfit. I know a lot of young men who's, who talk about their fits. So, yes, and I think that's the same thing. They're talking about their outfit. All right, one of it's my pet peeves thing. is people who shorten words like that. You, well, there's, that's no, a whole there's no need to shorten Brian, those words. That's a whole generation <laughs> talks about their fits. I'm anti that entire generation. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn. You think they, they've shortened it to the word fits because they don't think they can say the word outfit? Maybe. Maybe it's like a masculine thing. No, it's just a cool way to say it. I really? like your fit, Do Brian. Do you really think that's cool? It's cool, Brian. No, nothing cool about that. Okay. Uh, well, Aubrey's in her fall outfit, and it I'm is cold outside. Fit. But we are glad that you are joining us. Hopefully you're planning a good 4th of July. 4th of July is right around the corner. Is that crazy? 4th it of July really is. is right around the corner, Brian. When yep. did that happen? Uh, I think pretty well when there was the 3rd of July and the 2nd of July. <laughs> in 1776, that's when that happened. So what is happening is, uh, what I want to talk about churches okay. around the 4th of July. Yes. So the, the old debate is, uh, is it appropriate? What are your thoughts? Ooh. What are our thoughts Ooh. about the insertion, especially around the 4th of July? Yes. Of patriotic elements. Yeah. So, for instance, you will often see, um, you know, maybe uh, there's the recognition of the military. Maybe there is uh, <clears throat> some churches, and this is talked about at the Gospel Coalition, when they talk about uh, five questions to be asked around using patriotic elements around the 4th of July. You know, some services are completely about America. Right. God loves America. They yeah. sing God bless America. They sing, you know, Battle Hymn of the Republic, American flag up yeah. there, whatever else it might be. And so Joe Carter over at the Gospel Coalition basically wants to challenge us to ask a couple questions okay. uh, about your quote-unquote patriotic service okay. at your church. But before we get into what he has to say thoughts maybe what do you guys do at your church and just in general what do you think about patriotic elements i want to preface this by saying uh love a good fourth of july parade yep we put a flag outside love on our house fireworks. i am love a good hot dog i love quite frankly i'm just being honest here i love living in america this yeah. is not an anti-america thing yeah right 
I'll never forget being in uh, Wheaton in the Holy Lands. We were in Rome on the 4th of July. And I'll never forget, like, us college kids, we, like, started chanting USA and singing uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And it was like, well, we should be home. It's the 4th of July. That's awesome. So I don't want to mis- people misconstrue anything we're going to say. We're wanting to talk about what's appropriate in a worship service. Yeah, yeah. So where where would you start there? So I don't think there should be many patriotic elements in a worship service. So for, here's an example. If you're going to have an American flag, then I think you should have a flag for, like, every country, every Christian nation in the world. Because I I think part of my issue is that it just tends to borderline, it gets way too close to Christian nationalism. It gets way too close to, like, what are we worshiping and why? And I, my personal preference is not to put elements up there that, don't directly point us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I I do recognize it is some sometimes contextually dependent. Our church specifically, Renewal Church, just it wouldn't really fly at our church with our congregation to sing the Battle Hymn of the Republic or start waving American flags or, like, drape the cross in an American flag. Um, I, I think it's too much of a – again, I love America. I love the 4th of July. I love living in this country. But I think it is too close to Christian nationalism, too much mixing love of country with love of Jesus. Mm. And I would just rather not go there personally. Yeah. Joe Carter said, if people unfamiliar with Christianity attended your service, what would they think we worship? He says – not all God and country services are the same. Some are subdued affairs that include a patriotic hymn and prayer for the troops, while others are spectacles of flag-waving fireworks and screens filled with scenes of national and military monuments. If people unfamiliar with either America or Christianity came to your service, what would they assume you worship? Hmm. Would they think your people worshipped a regional deity that protected the United States of America, or would they recognize you serve the God who created the entire universe. He basically asked also, would you welcome patriotic elements from other countries? Yeah, what does he say? I'd like to know. Yeah, he just says, uh, if your reaction is we don't live in those other countries, then you might be confused about how your church connects with the universal mm. church. Uh, I've gotten pushback on some of this before. Have and this you? is why you're he not also, doing enough or you're doing too much? Uh, I remember somebody being really mad at me once because I neglected to pay uh, pray for like our our troops, maybe yeah. it was Veterans Day. It yeah. was memori- it was Memorial okay. Day. This was years ago. Yeah, this person was really upset with me, yeah. and I was like, honestly, man, it wasn't like a natural. Like a, I'm not going to do. It was like just kind of went right. And I, I, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think when we start, you have to think about the message that's being sent, right? When you start putting up flags, or you start talking about how. God blesses America. Right. Or God loves America. You, I do think Joe Carter makes a good point about being confusing, not just to the visitor, but to your people mm-hmm. uh, about who is it that we're worshiping? What is it that is primary? Uh, is God and America linked together? Because, again, we love this land, but it's not the Christian nation of the world. Yeah. And so, therefore, we have to say, Here's the spots where I've got to choose Lord Jesus over uh, my love of country. And 
when you start melding those two, you can't, it becomes hard to pull those two apart from one another. Do you think it's important as a church pastor or leader to say something like that? Hey, you may notice we don't have a American flag waving in our church on this weekend. Here's why. Or do you think you just let it go? I don't think I would have to highlight it. I, yeah. I, 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 that doesn't feel necessary. That feels like that feels too, combative. Right, like, hey, right. I want to I rile you up. Right. And I'll tell you, like, when we have, you know, when it's voting week, when it's election week, I'll say, hey, make sure to get out there, be a good citizen and mm -hmm. vote. I don't go, good Christians vote or good <laughs> yeah. Christians vote for these people. Yeah. Like, hey, just get out there and be a good American. I, hey, enjoy the 4th of July. But if I say... Enjoy the 4th of July because God has showered his blessings on, on the, the United, United States, States of America. America. No, like that gets confusing. Yeah. And we ultimately want our services to be about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus and an accurate view of who Jesus is and his kingdom. Yeah. And you got to be careful where you confuse people. I knew a church once that uh, they held their 4th of July parade for their for their community, and they did the fireworks, and they had the live music. They would even have a worship band come. And I thought that was kind of cool because they're taking the 4th outside of a Sunday morning yep. service, and they're making it about good neighboring. That's the way churches can think about this. I think that's great. So. Uh, it's coming the 4th of July. Ask your pastor what you guys are going to do and what you think. Uh, and if you disagree with us, we love Please to hear let from us you. Know. We love hearing Please from you. Please tell Aubrey where she's wrong. Go to our <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, uh, or Instagram page. Aubrey, we have yet to do it because last time we talked, it was still kind of tenuous. Oh. We're going to talk about the Titan submersible and oh, all that so happened with that story. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey, we have not really talked about uh, really that tragic situation, uh, but such a unique situation yeah. with that Titan sub. So i got to be honest, I'm kind of obsessed with the story. Are like, you? Just to were see. you following it all last week? And now as they're like telling the stories of the people mm. who are on it, what, mm. what corners might have been cut, what things might have gone wrong. There's now, like, this focus on this whole world of people who do, like, uh, you know, like, um, dangerous kind of tourism, you know, whether it be wanting to get in a, in a rocket that goes up or a submarine that goes down or hang gliding, you know, hang gliding, not so much hang gliding, parachuting or whatever yeah. else it might be, this kind of tourism. But there's so many interesting things about what's being discussed. Thoughts just on what we've learned, because it's really tragic that it feels like this people who know weren't shocked that this happened. So I that would to me was was some of the saddest information that came out was you know things about the the president owner founder of mm -hmm. Ocean Gate kind of talking about like security measures. What's that? We should be people of adventure. And it's so hard to know what was taken out of context. And of course, now in light of this, you're like, oh, how flippant and dangerous is that? And then, of course, some of the his own employees saying like, look, this thing wasn't safe. I mean, it that stuff is devastating because when you when you hear the stories and you kind of think, think oh, this could have been preventable if people paid attention, you know? Oh, you yeah. hate that. And it it was, you know, I you know, I think some of the hard parts and I heard it's kinda of, it's kinda of funny to me for some reason that people keep going keep going to James Cameron, the director mm -hmm. of the Titanic movie, to talk about this. I, I understand he has some experience exploring the Titanic, but it's like he's an expert suddenly on this. I mean, not some experience. Did you hear he's been to the Titanic more than anybody ever? Oh, I didn't know 
know that. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. That makes me feel a little better. But, you know, last week when they reported, like, sounds of knocking, yeah. and he essentially said, look, you're just fooling people and getting their hopes up for no reason. I mean, those weren't his words. I'm putting words into his mouth. But kind of like we all knew what happened when it happened. And I think that was hard. And it felt a little bit like a roller coaster, like maybe there was hope. But I think realistically there wasn't hope since the moment they lost yeah. contact. Yeah. And it is, I understand there are people in the world who are kind of, making fun of this situation because it is billionaires and there is certainly something sort of extreme, something almost ironic, something like movie-ish about it, which makes it fascinating. And yet it's still so sad and just there's been nothing like right. it that's happened in our modern history. Of so this, that's what's yeah. so fascinating. Too. All right. So you touched on it, but let me take two tangents. Obviously, the tragedy is the focus. Yeah. But let me go to two things that have bothered me okay. in the coverage and kind of the reflection of this. You just touched on one of them. Even when people didn't know whether they were dead or not. Yeah. It felt like for some reason people felt the ability to joke about it, and there were some people online who seemed to feel some glee on it because they were rich. Because they were billionaires. Because the billionaire yeah. guy was on yeah. there. The other guy, you had to pay two $250,000 to get on it. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, you know, and I... Almost like felt those poor so billionaires weird. or something. It felt yeah. so weird that there was like this, I believe the wrong word. It was true in some spots, but like this license to kind of mock it. Because they're rich. Even when they weren't, we didn't know what happened yet. Yeah. Like we didn't even know what had happened yet, but it was like, oh, they get what's coming to them. These And you're like, really? Like it's a little callous, right? Like the loss of life should be honored and respected, respected no matter what salary range people live in. I understand why billionaires are easy targets. Yeah. Because they're so few, and you do wonder how corrupt they are and what are they doing with their money. So I, I can understand why people are doing it, and yet it, it does come across as lacking so much empathy and honoring of human life and callous and jealous. And, and what do we always say? It doesn't matter how much money you make when you're... When you die, like yeah. it doesn't matter. You can't take it with Stuck you. Stuck on that sub, it yeah. didn't matter what your mm -hmm. yearly salary mm -hmm. was. And, and, so, and I think too, it was just the loss of the 19-year-old life. Oh, that like that hard. feels extra sad. You know, I mean, there's just there's some devastating reality to this that I think we can't ignore. So here's the second one. I'm going to get on my soapbox here, and it's the second time I've mentioned President Obama, former President Obama, but he was one of them that I said did this. Uh, you people may not know that last week there was. Um, Death of hundreds of refugees near Greece, oh, also in a boat accident. That was awful in a shipwreck, right? It was like 700 refugees Terrible. Or Terrible. But here's what bothers me, just in general, and it happened last week with this. Using, going, well, we are just more concerned about five people in a submarine when, and all ignoring mm. the 700 refugees. Yeah. Uh, Here's what exactly Obama said. He said, you think about what's happening this week. There's a potential tragedy unfolding with the submarine that's getting, you know, minute-to-minute -minute coverage all around the world. And you yeah. know it's understandable because we all want to pray that those folks are rescued. But the fact that that's gotten so much attention, more attention than 700 people who, who sank, uh, that's an untenable situation. Mm. This happens every time there's a tragedy. Absolutely it does. I was just thinking about that. It's sort of the, like... Well, this terrible thing has happened, but 
why aren't we focusing on this terrible thing? I know there's got to be a term for this in rhetoric or a term for this in conflict, right? But, like, can this, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little pithy here because these are both tragedies, but, like, we always say, why not both? Yeah. Like, I do think you can be fascinated by this implosion of the submarine and, like, consider this story and pay a lot of attention to it and be devastated that these asylum seekers lost their lives. Like, both yeah. things can be true at the same time, and we're never just interested in one news story. And, of course, like, one is different and unique. It hasn't happened before. The other is devastating and important, and we need to keep it at the forefront of our minds. But I, I think to kind of go, it should be this instead of this, is a weird Like that whole whataboutism, right? Like, yeah, that's And you got to remember, oh, President Obama should know just about as well as anybody, right? Like, how the news cycle works. Yeah. It's not the worst news that always gets the front, the front page. It's the, you know what we care about? We care about celebrities. And we care about the royals. And yeah. we care about whatever else. And there's always something else. Like, you could tell me, man, there was this really sad story in my town. So-and-so, you know, this happened, and I'm really struggling with it. And, yeah. and if I answered you with, well, well there's, a war, the... there's a war in the Ukraine right now. <laughs> right. And you'd be like, yeah, that's a big deal, but it's on the other side of the world. It's just like, this is in my life right now. And I know this sub wasn't in our life, but just like, you know what? It's a different story yeah, like than anyone's ever can seen. Be true at the same time. Now, I do think where Obama's right is people. We let's ask ourselves why we are paying more attention to one than the other. Is there something political there? Is there something about celebrity and billionaire culture we're more fascinated with than actual people who are refugees? Like, yes, the call should be that we also care about this. But I do think you're right that it's sort of that what about ism. I do think that like. If this sub, this submersible had happened like off the coast of Africa, we'd probably be like, there's some, there's some distance. We'd be like, yeah, what's that? Yeah. If the refugee boat had happened, you know, off the coast of Florida, mm-hmm. we'd probably be like, wow, that's terrible. It's just we, a matter of it's distance. So it's distance, how it works. Proximity. And, it's, and again, like, the Titanic is this iconic mm-hmm. thing in our culture and in our history, and it's something that we're all sort of fascinated with as Americans. And, and so... To think about these billionaires going there is certainly an interesting news story, right? And right. so we're going to want to follow it. We're going to want to pay attention to it. So I I think both things can be true there at the go. same time. Right, we are both. capable of, what did our producer say today, walking and chewing gum mm-hmm. at the same time. That is Grinds My Gears, uh, Titan Submersible Tragedy. <laughs> That's what that is. Wow. <laughs> Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm and we are thrilled to be in studio today by some friends, Jay Payleitner and Ray Ann Payleitner. Friends of the show, friends of the area. Jay is an author and a speaker, but this is what's really fun. You have a daddy-daughter book out. You are father and daughter, which I don't think I said before, <laughs> called Girl Dad. So congratulations. This mm-hmm. is so much fun. I am a, a boy mom, three sons. Mm-hmm. So I'm very jealous of the fact that you guys even exist in the world. Well, let's write a book. Let's write a book. Let's write a book. <laughs> okay, I like it, Jay. Let's, let's do it. I have a lot That's to say funny. about being a boy mom. Okay, talk to us about Girl Dad. Why did you decide to write this together? Well, um, yeah, I've written a bunch of books. I, uh, I'm up to 30-some now. Uh, publishers trust me, and, and they saw the need. So they came to me to ask me to write a, a nice book for nice dads about how to connect nicely with your daughter, you know, backyard tea parties and uh, yeah, and, yeah. and daughter, daddy-daughter dances. 
And um, and so I wrote these chapters, started writing these chapters. Your daughter and her friends, your daughter and her boyfriends, of course. <laughs> your, your, your daughter and her hopes and dreams. And then I thought, well, I need to get this right. So I sent a, I sent the document, the manuscript, to Ray Ann for some, some facts checking. Nice, right, uh, She right. was actually going to school in... Uh, in Dublin, Ireland, goes wow. to law school. Oh, law school is a, is a longer story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, she sent me back the manuscript. Uh, I had written these brilliant chapters, <laughs> and uh, she kind of wrote some long paragraphs <laughs> on how I was wrong. That's awesome. I love this so much. And uh, well, anyways, and, and I thought it was great stuff. Actually, I asked my publisher if she could write it with me, and at first they were like, "Well, this is terrible because it's it's not nice anymore." It's not a nice book about nice things. It, it was a candid book about things that were serious. Yeah. And things that I hadn't thought of before because Rihanna, you know, had, had, had seen things through her eyes and with her friends. So, uh, and the book originally, uh, and this will be my last point here, uh, okay. the working title for me was Fathers versus Daughters. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Our, our friends at Salem Publishing, who you guys know, Salem, yeah. uh, they changed the name to Girl Dad. It's like, oh, no. It sounds too sweet, but actually, it's it's pretty good. It's working. It's, yeah. it's working. Well, unlike Aubrey, I do have two daughters, and yeah. I am a dad. So, yep. uh, two daughters and a son, so I get kind of the difference. Rian, uh, why do you think it was important to have a book that was honest mm. about fathers yeah. and daughters? Because that feels, we've all read the cheesy ones. Not that this would have been cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all read the cheesy ones, but the honest ones, I think, are probably more helpful. Oh, absolutely. I, I that, And that was kind of my position from the first moment that he said yeah sent over that manuscript to me was, hey, if you are in front of dads, dads who want to positively impact their daughter's lives, and that's who's reading these books, right? Someone, yeah. a dad, maybe maybe they're struggling, maybe they're, you know, just have a brand new baby girl in their arms, you know, who knows? They want to be a positive influence on the world and on their daughter, and I think that's the moment to be honest with them, mm -hmm. to show them how, yeah, you know, as you're holding that baby girl in, in your arms, I know, I, I know that every single dad out there said, you know what? I'm going to protect you from everything. <laughs> right. I'm going to build right. a fortress right. around you. Right. Uh, That's but right. the reality of it is, is that you know the world comes in. We live in this fallen world. We have a chapter about your daughter in this fallen world. Mm. We also have a chapter about your daughter and her brokenness, mm. just because we're human beings yeah. in this world. And it's not to scare them. Maybe it is to scare them a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I'll be fair. <laughs> but enough to, to enough to show them that their daughters are people. Right? Yeah. They're not just their little girl. They're oh, always okay. being a little girl, but they're also going to be people with flaws and hopes and mm -hmm. dreams and potential. Mm -hmm. And I want dads out there to see their That's little so girls. Great. Yeah. So it's making me think of uh, daughters or dads out there who maybe have a broken relationship mm -hmm. and they'd like to take a step towards some reconciliation or some mm -hmm. health in their relationship. What are some of the pieces of advice, wisdom that you give to both the dads and the daughters in your book? Um, well, two two quick thoughts on that would be to enter her world. Mm. Uh, sometimes we live in, in moms and da dads and daughters and parents and children. They live in different worlds. Mm. So you got to enter her world and and figure out what she's into. And you know what? If you're if your daughter's into American Girl, get out the credit card and, and, and do that. If your daughter's into skateboarding, you know what? Go find the nearest skateboarding yeah, park. So be, awesome. But also, you know what? Because I, I, I do say, you know, make your kids your hobby. For that season mm. of life, maybe put your golf clubs away yep. wow. and make your kids your hobby. On the flip side of that, 
maybe have her enter your world. Mm. Ask your 12-year-old daughter to, to come play nine holes with you. Yeah. And if it's terrible, it make, it'll be, could be great fun. Yeah, that's awesome. To enter her world. Love that. And, and the other, if I may, um, celebrate her defiance. Oh, talk about that! Well, I like that. I mean, because she has to find her own way, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's got to. She's gonna. She's gonna push back. That's kind of her job as a teenager, or is to push back. Because she has to. At the end of the day, she has to uh, make her own decisions that mm -hmm. she buys into. And she, ladies and gentlemen, she has to own her faith. Yeah. If she's if she's piggybacking on your faith, it yeah. ain't gonna last. She has to make those decisions at bottom, maybe, and yep. own her faith. Yep. Oof, That's really good. So, Rian, I mentioned before, I've got a. A 19-year-old mm. and a 14-year-old daughter got a son mm. in the middle. We will sign this book to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I've had more than one birthday party at the American Girl <laughs> store, so I got gotcha. you. Man, I, I gotcha. have so much jealousy back, right I, now. I wish I knew you back then. I would have <laughs> sent you along. Rand, uh, what what is a teenage girl? Uh, what do they? If you could go back to your teenage years, what do you wish <laughs> you could tell your dad? Oh, like, what do you wish? Yeah. You right. could say to your dad, like, I want this from you, or I need you to know this. You know, I, and I think, I think young women and young men alike in that mm -hmm. period of time, they have no idea who they are. Yeah, right? right. They have no idea where their feet are. They're being pulled in a thousand different directions. And we don't, and maybe this is more of a daughter thing, you don't need your dad to give you answers necessarily. Mm, that's good. And certainly not unsolicited answers. Yeah. <laughs> right? But what we need is for to know our dads are there. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, physically there. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, a vulnerabil vulnerabil vulnerability. Vulnerability. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, being emotionally available yeah. is also incredibly important, especially in that period of time when it's about you know where they are in the world, where they are in their faith, where mm -hmm. they are in their family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all of that. Being available emotionally as their dad mm. really shows them what they can expect of the world, what yeah. they can expect from the men that will be in their life, what mm. they can expect from their friends, and what they can expect from themselves. And they can expect doubt. Mm. They can expect struggle. Uh, but know that there's there's a light on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so good. I feel like we could talk about this forever. <laughs> I have about a minute left, Jay, but mm. I, your daughter strikes me, Rayanne, as very strong and confident. What, <laughs> what are some tips for raising a strong, confident daughter? Um, you need to help your daughter not live in fear, uh, not live as some, uh, some princess. Yeah. yeah. Help, help raise her no. to be part of the solution. Admit that there's trouble in the world. Mm. But raise her, give her the confidence that she's part of the solution. What do That's you think, right. Ray? Oh, mm. absolutely. I think as long as... Your daughter isn't actively doing something that's going to be destructive to her, right? Yeah. She hasn't given you a reason to break her trust. Mm. Let her venture out uh, and okay. let her go be part of that solution. Because if you protect yeah. her, if you put yeah. her in that bubble, yeah. she's never going to you know, be able uh -huh. to build up that strength. Yeah. So she's going out into the world yeah. one way or another. Yeah. And so you want to give her the, the strength and confidence in that. And, and the, really, okay. kind of the, the last really interesting thought is at the end of every conversation you have with your daughter, even if it's tough, her towards you. Yeah. Make sure that the end, the conversations end with, man, I love you. I, I'm sorry mm -hmm. that we get this way sometimes, mm -hmm. but man, you are the best, and I'd do anything for mm -hmm. you. That kind of attitude. 
Uh, and that'll get you through to the next yeah, time. That is yeah, gold. So beautiful. Spin I gold. think there are some dads and daughters out there who need to read this book. Both yeah, of one, them. I'm one so in glad this room. You guys have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one in this room. Yes. Hey, where can our people find and follow you and find the book? Well, uh, you know, Amazon is a place to go still for books. Yep. Heard, to, of uh, it. Heard of it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, actually, there's actually two or three books out there called Girl Dad. So look for the one by Jay Payleitner and Rayanne Payleitner. And then, you know what, invite me to come out. I'm right here locally. We live in St. Charles. Nice. Yeah. I would love to come speak at your church. To Rayanne, you want to come do a little bother? Don't know. But I speak on uh, on parenting and marriage yeah. and, and getting life right oh, kind of thing. So jpayleitner.com uh, cool. to answer your question. Yeah, um, all right. Jay Payleitner, Rayanne Payleitner, they are the authors of a brand new book, Girl Dad available now. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. What a privilege. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We are thrilled to end the show today with a very special guest, Michael Smith. He's actually a friend of the show and a friend of the station. He is the host of Your Discipleship Coach, which airs right here on AM 1160 on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Michael, thanks so much for being back with here, us here today. It is certainly my honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Our yeah, pleasure. we love it. And we love having you in studio. That's, That's extra, right. extra fun. All right, Michael, your discipleship coach. Give us a broad overview. What's it about, and then why specifically did you decide to do this? So I'm a local pastor, mm. also a professional coach. And the idea of the show is to partner with people. So sort of what I say is I'm here to partner with you uh, so you can see all that God has in store for you. That's what a coach does. It serves Mm. as a partner. Yeah. So the other idea is that we unpack biblical truth Mm. so you can apply it to your everyday life. So I like to explain it like this. The idea is if the show can address some sort of relevant truth that we can discover in God's Word, and then every single person that listens in can identify where they are in comparison to that truth, what we want to do is close that gap from where they are to who God wants them to be. That's so good. So how practically does that happen? What does discipleship coaching look like? Yeah, so discipleship coaching is it really avoids what I call a tell-and-be-told model. So it's not about a coach delivering a bunch of information. Sure. The idea is a know-and-be-known approach. So I come alongside people helping them discover who God is. Do you know him? Mm. And, and the flip side is are you vulnerable enough mm. to know that God knows you? Ooh, yeah. that's yeah. good. And what do you think, Michael, are, are people's because uh, I feel like a lot of people have a desire to know that they're known by God. But I do think there are some things that get in the way of that or stop people from that vulnerability you're talking about. Mm. What are some of those things that keep people from experiencing their knownness? Probably experiencing it would be uh, the approach of deliberate, being mm. deliberate. Mm. And so if you want to be known by God, it's hard to do that alone. Yeah. So you have to let somebody in, a, a partner, a coach, a peer, a friend. And so there's this word that scares people. Mm. It's called accountability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, right. Right. But being accountable is not, did you do all the right things that's or right. all the wrong things? It's, are you exploring who God is? Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks is we're mm. not strategic in exploring who God is. Yeah. So let's mm, dive into that right. a little bit more. Accountability. I agree with you. Uh necessary, scary, avoided. Uh, yeah. Why would you say it's important? And let's get more deep. Why is it scary? Why do we avoid it? Sure. So the whole idea of the faith, it's relational. So when you mm-hmm. know God and you're known by God, 
it actually translates to your peers also. Mm -hmm. It's knowing one another and being known mm -hmm. by them. So the Bible says, like iron sharpens iron, mm -hmm. so one person sharpens another. So what's important is no one ever has to be alone <laughs> in their pursuit of God. Yeah. So why is it important? Good. So we can link arms. Yeah. We can partner, believe the best in people. And as a coach, my heart then is not for me to be the most successful person I can be, mm. but to help other people know God and be known by yeah. him. Yeah. Okay, so you're coaching people, and in a lot of ways you coach leaders, right? Yeah. Okay, so for the leader who is disappointed in their role or mm. disappointed in their current leadership or maybe feels that gap that you're describing, like I— I'm not where God wants me to be, and I feel it's frustrating. What are some steps that you kind of guide people in towards, like, the, their next step closer to who God is calling them to be? So the whole idea, especially in discipleship coaching or pure coaching, is not just the notch of success that you achieve, but who you are becoming. And so this is a differentiation. Uh, if you can avoid who people are becoming, coming and mm. if you can coach who they're becoming instead of coaching what they're doing oh, right so good. who they're becoming impacts their outcomes yeah. who they're becoming impacts their vocation their marriage how they serve in their church but if all you do is you focus on let's say a successful career yeah. you may not become who god wants you to be it may not translate to other areas of your life so we we actually coach people, not problems, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And then the outcomes Good. become a benefit of who. So we coach identity in Christ. Mm. We coach who you are and who you're becoming uh, more than just achieving. So I, I would boil it down like this. We could coach transactions. Did you get your promotion? Yeah. Did you invest the right money? Did you achieve success? Yeah. Or we could coach for transformation. Hmm. Are you different? Are you walking in the identity yeah. that yeah. Jesus has for you? So that's yeah. really a, fu a fundamental difference. Yeah. So pastoral. I love that. It really is. How would you answer people who be like, I just don't have time for this. Like, <laughs> I'm just busy. I got kids. I got jobs. I got this. Uh, how do you answer that? So I would ask a simple coaching question, where are you investing your time right now? Mm -hmm. So, and what that does is it turns from I don't have to I do have. Mm. When you say I don't have time, it's, oh, oh, that's, that could be true. Where are you investing? Yeah. And so the idea, and this is coaching, explore, is this where I need to be? And the truth is mm. not every person in every moment always needs a coach. Mm. They might yeah. need a mentor. They might yeah. need a pastor. They might need a counselor. Yeah. So, but I coach that idea of, I don't have time. What do you have? That's right. What is possible? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so for the show, you can listen uh, to Michael Smith, your discipleship coach, every Saturday, 7 p.m. right here on AM 1160. Are people coming to you with questions on the show? Are you talking through some of this stuff? Like, tell us what the show is about so we can get our listeners excited. So I have two different approaches to the show. A little more than half the time I'm alone, and I'll do some presentation always with practical steps at the end. Okay. And nearly half the time I'll have a guest on the show mm. and we'll focus on a certain particular aspect of spiritual life. So I ha try to have very strong guests on the yeah. show. I've had like four university presidents. Cool. I've had some counselors, high level leaders, authors, cool. people that can, they have something to say, but yeah. here's the idea. It's not just about information. It's yeah. what do I do mm. with it? So I, I, I try. We'll see how well I do, but I, <laughs> I try to have 
application, what does this mean for me? Because I might be in my car, I might be in my home, I might download the podcast later and listen, yeah. whatever that is. What does this mean to me now? Yeah, right. again, uh, your discipleship coach is right here on AM 1160, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Let me ask you a really silly question. We're all pastors in the room. <laughs> You're in the Christian world. You've got the same name as one of the most famous uh, Christian <laughs> artists out there. How yeah. many times in a week do people bring that up? <laughs> so much. I have about a 15-second funny story about that. They yeah. say, what's your middle name? I say, William. <laughs> it's not. I just teased him with that. <laughs> I've had an opportunity the day after seeing Michael W. Smith in concert to lead. He, he actually did a concert on an Easter Eve. Okay. I got to lead worship in an arena on the same piano he played at the concert no way. the very next day. How so funny. I was the backup, I guess. <laughs> that is so 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 awesome! I love that. I I didn't know you were gonna tell a Michael W. Smith <laughs> so joke, funny. Brian. So yeah, I, well done. Sir. You got it. You got to go there. You got it. Right? Yeah, you sure. got to do it. All right, Michael. Let me ask you one more question. Uh, and for listeners who are like, I mean, Brian's kind of asked this question, but I just want to reiterate it for any listener who's like, okay, I like this idea of coaching. I'm a little cynical about it. What's the point? Like, give us your heart. Like, pastor the listener. Why should they? tune in, listen to you. Why should they consider a coach for themselves? Yeah. So the idea of even the whole show, what I do with the efforts of my life is to provide a safe place Mm. for people to explore discovered truth. Mm. A lot of times we hear truth and and immediately we're judged or immediately we don't measure up. And so you know, faith is a big deal and yeah. people need the space to wrestle with it. So coaching is a non-judgmental, mm. safe place to explore. Mm. And when you you might discover truth in a way that's a little different than I do. I mean, the truth is the truth, but we wrestle with it in different mm-hmm. ways yeah. at a different pace. So coaching is how do you wrestle with it? Where are you and where does God want you? So I become a an encourager. Mm. I become someone to cheer you on. I'm a safe place for you. So the show delivers some truth, but the hope is, will you wrestle with this? And this is a safe place to do that. Oh, I Mm, absolutely love that. Michael Smith is the host of Your Discipleship Coach right here on AM 1160, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Michael, thanks so much for being here with us today. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.